Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. Well, good morning, Arise. How's everybody going everywhere? Are you all well? Great to be here at the Michael Fowler Center today. An extra bit of staging is out the front, so uh, I get to be nicer within spitting distance of everybody here in the city campus, but a big welcome to all of our locations from Whangarei to Dunedin and everywhere in between. We're closing out a series today uh, entitled Break the Bungee. Has anybody been enjoying it? It's always an awkward question when the preacher says, did you like my message last week? But, uh, but there we go. I hope you've been enjoying it. I've certainly been enjoying it. In fact, in October, uh, we're going to double back and, and cover some questions that have really come out of the series. People have been asking me things, uh, you know, in small groups, people have been asking things, people have been hitting me up on social media and asking me questions as a result of the series. So we're going to do like a part two in October, which I'm really excited about, be much more specific. But for today, we're going to bring the series to a close. And what we've been dealing with in the series has been to try to work out in our lives, how do I change me? <laughs> That's really been our question. How do I take what is wrong with me, what I would like to see improved, and how do I consistently act and live in a new way? How do I avoid getting pumped up, fired up, I'm going to do something great, I'm going to be this better person, I'm going to be the super Christian I've always dreamed of, and then finding ourselves six or 12 months later, still struggling with the same things, kind of back where we started, a little bit more cynical, a bit depressed, a bit frustrated. How do we break the bungee? How do we, how do we move forward in our lives? And to be honest, I think this is just a massive question for life. How do, how do I change? How do I become the person that I would desperately like to be? And the truth is, when Christians read the Bible, that tends to be what we're searching for. So this determines what we're guided towards, because when we open our Bibles, we're trying to just be better. So we're asking ourselves, what kind of person should I be? Let God's Word tell me. Uh, what kind of sins should I avoid? What kind of husband should I be? Hey, wives, what kind of wives should, should you be? And we, we, we're, we're coming at the Bible, and we're coming at our lives with this kind of growth or change kind of mindset, if that makes sense. And so in our lives, this is a filter because if you're anything like me, you come into the new year or you come out of a rise conference and in your head and in your mind, you've got this great plan. You're like, man, I'm going to change the way I live. I'm going to be this kind of person. And if you're anything like me, I've got scripture quotes, I've got, I've got inspirational you know, quotes from people, I've got an action plan, and I'm like, I'm gonna be different, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna waste a single moment of my life, I'm never gonna watch Netflix ever, ever again. I just get fired up, this is the kind of person that I am. If you're in any way like me, could you give me a little wave? Every, every phlegmatic person is like, I've no idea what you're talking about. I'm just aiming for a happy life. Well, I, I'm, I'm the kind of person that is often frustrated about the kind of person that I am. I'm the kind of person that tends to get into this thing of like, I want to be better, and then quickly wake up, and I'm just not happy with John. I wish, I wish I'd worked harder, wish I'd done better, and if you're anything like me, then quickly we get to a point so often we, we start this journey of change and improvement and progress, 
And six months or a year later, we find ourselves right back where we were before we started. And we've got a lot of frustrated emotions. And in our, in our heads and in our hearts, we start saying things like, I'm just, I'm just such a failure, or I'm a sinner, or I keep missing it. And, and then we promise ourselves, I will definitely do better next time. And I don't wanna burst your bubble, but you probably won't. And the reason why we have this cycle of futility, the reason why we have this bungee and what we've been exploring in this series is that we struggle to break free because we're trying to change who we are without changing what we believe about who we are. In fact, we began the series the week after Arise Conference with this little thought that your excitement won't outlast what you believe. You can get fired up in your life and be like, I'm gonna be awesome. But if it, you don't live different, if you don't see yourself different, then that excitement will fade over time. But what you believe will remain consistent over time and your excitement won't outlast what you believe. In fact, in the longevity of our lives, what we want to do and who we want to be is gonna be less impacting in our lives than what we believe we will do and who we believe we are. Is this making sense to anyone? If I see myself as a compulsive spender, if you're one of those people out there with a multitude of jokes, you're like, I don't know what happens. It's like the money hits my pocket, there's a hole in it. Or, you know, I, I just, it just seems to bounce from my, from my bank account to the, you know, to the whatever. If, if you're the kind of person who just says, man, I just really struggled to save money, then over time that, that mindset is gonna mean so much about your life because at the end of the day, if you see yourself as a compulsive spender, it's gonna be extremely difficult to change it. I've been pastoring men for 25, 27 years, and so many men, when you get alone with them and get honest with them beneath the surface because of our, our pervasive culture, feel like somehow they are intrinsically dirty because of the lust of their eyes and the impurity of what they look at. And in the heart of hearts, it's actually who they believe they are. So they can go for sustained periods of time where they might you know, be very, very disciplined, but habitual habits fall in and we struggle with the same thing. And the reason why is because you can't sustain a behavior over the long term that doesn't line up with the way that you see yourself. A far greater impact in the way I live my life is not gonna be what I would like to do and who I would like to be. What's gonna impact my life the most is what I believe is true about me and who I see myself as. It's so important that when you and I think about ourselves and change and breaking free, that we remember that at the fall of humanity in the garden, one of the very first consequences of sin jumping into our world is that Adam began to believe different things about himself. I mean, the Bible just says God turns up, we preached about this two weeks ago, and said, where are you? And Adam said, I was afraid because I was naked and so I hid. And something new about how he saw himself was believed in Adam's heart. And friends, when we tried to do something or become someone we would like to be, too often we're trying to change ourselves 
by changing the outside and making it true on the inside. And the bungee in our lives is found right there. Because if you would like to be someone different, but this is who you believe you are, then your aspiration will always be decided by your belief. So in our lives, if we're gonna change, the bungee is found when we attempt to live differently to what we believe is true about who we are. In fact, last Sunday night, I've only heard two people preach in the series, and that's myself. And uh, last Sunday night, I got to hear Ray Moore and two of our campuses preach his message on this Break the Bungee contribution. And I've got to say, it's one of the best messages I've ever heard in my life, an outstanding message. If you haven't heard it, make sure you get the recording. And in Ray's message, I wanna quote him. This is what he said. Ray said, no person can consistently behave in a way that is inconsistent what they truly believe about themselves. Like Selah, right? No person can consistently behave in a way that is inconsistent with what they believe, truly believe about themselves. Because at the end of the day, behavior is something I've gotta psych myself up into. But who I am is something that I fall out of bed and I be. So when God attempts to change us, guys, when God attempts to change people, it's interesting to note that in the Bible, he just really doesn't focus on their behavior. When God attempts to change people, he focuses on changing what they believe about who they are. And I can give you examples. When Jacob, we preached about this on week one. When Jacob is grasping a hold of the ankle of Jesus after struggling with him all night, the Bible says that Jacob desires a blessing, and so God asks him, okay, well, what is your name? And in that amazing moment of self-admission, Jacob said, I am Jacob, realizing that what he was doing when he was clinging to God's ankle as God was attempting to leave was Jacob living in line with what he, the way he, that he saw himself. And so what did God say? He said, you are not Jacob, you are Israel. He changed the way he saw himself so that he could change the way he lived his life. The greatest change that could happen, the way we break the bungee in our lives is not by changing our behavior, but by changing what we believe. Right believing will lead to right living. Let me give you a New Testament example, Simon. The guy is called to be Christ's lead apostle, yet he sees himself as Simon. The word Simon in the Greek literally means a reed, like a long blade of grass. And vacillating, inconsistent, impetuous, dictated by circumstance and people and pressure and environments. And, and Ray again touched on this in his message where he said, the root of all peer pressure is a lack of personal identity. Because you will manipulate your own persona in order to be accepted in different groups rather than living out a strong sense of identity that is greater than any environment that you're in. And so what did Jesus say to Simon? He said, you are not Simon, but I tell you, you are Peter. Now the word Peter is another pictorial word. It means a rock. He said, you're not a reed, you're a rock. In the, in the original language, that's literally what he said. He doesn't say, you're not Joel, you're Nathan. He said, you're not read, you're rock. That's literally, we, got, we get the names, but here, these are the words. You're not a read, you're a rock. You're not this inconsistent person. You are, you are literally a tower of strength. You are a, a, a rock, a foundation. You are solid, that's who you are. 
And when we are being, when God is attempting to bring change to our lives, we see from the Bible that He doesn't waste any time focusing on the inadequacies of their current behavior. When God attempts to change us, He doesn't attempt to modify what we are doing. He attempts to change the way that we see ourselves. Now, I know a lot of people out there are going to get a little disquiet in their heart because they're going to be saying, John, isn't the Bible a book that is filled with rights and wrongs? Well, the truth is, my friend, the Bible does have the law. It has the book of Exodus. It has the book of Leviticus. I love these books. And they are filled with instructions that are God's, uh, God's revelation to us to allow us to see what right is and what wrong is. And let's be clear about it. There is right. There is wrong. There is good. There is evil. And God is holy. And God cares about sin. He does. That's why Jesus died. But when we read the Bible, it's important to understand that the New Testament tells us that the purpose of the law was to be our schoolmaster, reveal our need of Jesus. Yet for so many Christians, when we start reading the Bible, what we're focusing on, what we're searching for, is actually verses that are trying to tell us what we should do and who we should be. Rather than realizing that the focus of the New Testament, if you read the Bible, friends, the overwhelming theme of the New Testament, after we're awakened to Jesus, as we step into God's new covenant, there isn't a lot of content in the New Testament devoted to our behavior. It is instead oriented towards who we are because of Jesus. The major emphasis of the New Testament is to help us understand this is who we are because of Jesus. It's just so much easier to highlight verses. We just, we just skip through it because it can be weighty to get into verses of Scripture that are telling us that God made Him and you know sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We're like, I don't even understand what that means. So tell me, where's the passage? Oh, husbands love your wives. And we can cherry pick because it's easier to look at verses of Scripture that focus on behavior rather than to realize that behavior is not what comes first, the identity does. It is when we see ourselves the way God sees us that we start to live the way God wants us to live. Right believing leads to right living. Is this starting to make sense to anybody? So the problem with us in our lives is that if we're not careful, we spend our emphasis focusing on who we need to be rather than what God's Word is trying to tell you. God's Word is trying to tell you who you are. Because when we come to know Jesus, when we come alive through Jesus, we also come alive in Jesus. To become a Christian is not just about having a new relationship. It is about having a new identity. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Because when I was born in this world, I was born into a family. I, I'm blessed, I was born into a great family. But at the end of the day, that's one identity, Cameron. But I have a new identity and it's called Christian. My actual life is not Cameron, it's Christian. It is my identity of who I am in Jesus that is going to have the greatest impact on the way that I live my life. In fact, check this verse out, Colossians 2 verse 13. 
The Bible says, when you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. And he forgave us all our sins. Okay, so I was dead. Now, if you don't know Jesus out there today, if you're new to this church thing, maybe this message is a little deep, but just let me just say it to you like this. When we were born into this world, we were born spiritually dead because of our sin. And when we invite Jesus into our lives, he is the only one who can fill our lives and make us spiritually alive. And that begins to then radiate out, impact everything about the way we live our lives, about the way we see ourselves, about the way we interact with every event and situation. And there is no greater experience in all the world than to know what it is to know Jesus personally. But the Bible is saying that when we were dead in our sins, God made us alive with Jesus and he forgave all our sins. So this is our identity progression. I was dead, but if I have Jesus, I am now alive because of Jesus. And my sin has been forgiven. That's Colossians 2, 13, 14. Okay, let's go to verse 16. Verse 16. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you. So I was dead. I was made alive because of Jesus. He forgave all my sins. So now I can't let anybody judge me. We should add something in there for every Christian hearing this talk today and say, including yourself. Because the truth is the greatest challenge of our lives is that we are looking at ourselves and we're we don't need anybody else to judge us. We're too busy judging ourselves. I'm a weak failure. I'm a useless nobody. I keep struggling. This is who I am. I wish I was different. Like if we self-flagellate, like whip ourselves enough, God's going to look at you and go, oh, you're all right. That's not what the Bible is saying. We are now in Christ. Here's one of the most awesome verses of Scripture in the Bible, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, they are a, I want to read it right. If anyone is in, belongs to Christ, they have become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. We should have a praise break for that. The old life has gone and a new life has begun. Okay, so there was a me, but it's not me anymore. I am, anybody is in Christ. Are you hearing it? If anyone is in Christ, if anyone belongs to Christ, they are a new person. The old life has gone and a new life has begun. I'm not who I was before I knew Jesus and I am not who my sins and temptations make me to be. I am alive in Christ. That's where my identity is. And if I belong to Christ, then I am a new person. I'm not who I was before I knew Jesus. I am not the sins that I struggle with. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Even when you're a failure, Jesus made you righteous. Even when you're struggling with your issues, you are still alive in Christ. This message is not to ignore sin. This message is to help you and I to realize that we will never break free from what we'd like to break free from if we don't anchor our identity in Jesus. That's, that's the only place you're gonna get victory. 
That's the only environment where we're gonna break free is when we discover who we are in Him. That's why God came to Jacob and He said, you're not Jacob, you're Israel. Why He came to Simon and He said, you're Peter. And that's why God says to everybody in this room, you are not a sinner anymore. If you know Jesus, you are not a sinner anymore. You are a saint. When the Bible addresses you in the New Testament, it does not call you a sinner, it calls you a saint. To the saints who are in Ephesus, to the saints who are in Rome, I need you to understand, yes, we might still struggle, but our struggle is not our identity. And the way we break the bungee is when we stop seeing ourselves as the old person and start seeing ourselves as the new person. That is how we're gonna break the struggle. Uh, my life was completely ruined. I've actually mentioned this once in the series already, but my life was completely turned upside down a, a bunch of years ago when I was uh, in a hotel room um, after one of the first Arise conferences, I was in a hotel room in San Diego, California, and I couldn't sleep, and at three o'clock in the morning, I found myself reading Leviticus. A thousand jokes on how that'll help you sleep. Okay, let's move on. As I was reading Leviticus chapter six, I read a verse of scripture from the New Living Translation, which is one I have with me today, and when I read it, I became angry because I thought the translators must have it wrong. Because in Leviticus 6, in the New Living Translation, this is what it says. It says, anyone or anything, twice in one passage, in one chapter, anyone or anything who touches the sacrifice will become holy. And I've, I'm, I've studied the Bible my whole life. So I looked at that and I thought, that is wrong. That's not what it says. So I began to research this in other translations. And sure enough, in some other translations, older translations, that's not what it says. It says in older translations, anyone or anything who touches the sacrifice must be holy. And I began to say, well, who's right? Is the New Living Translation right or are these older translations correct? And as I began to study it in the Hebrew in the middle of the night, I was awake for hours. It was like, it was, it was like I had to find out an answer to this. I began to discover that the early translators struggled with it because the Bible is connecting a flawed human with a holy sacrifice. And so the older translators were trying to say, if you wanted to be someone who was close to it, if you wanted to be someone who touched it, then your life had better be right before you reached out and grabbed it. But actually in the Hebrew, it is a positional transference. It's saying, it's saying it's not about me that changes what happens when I touch the sacrifice. It's actually what is real about the sacrifice that is going to jump back and change me. See, here's, here's my question for you. When the woman with the issue of blood who was unclean reached out and touched Jesus, did she make Jesus unclean or did she become clean? And my life was completely ruined as I realized it wasn't when Jesus arrived, but right back there in the book of Leviticus, the Bible was already saying, when you reach out and you touch, when you touch the one who is holy, you don't make holy unholy, holy makes you holy. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old person is gone and the new has come. 
It's not about whether I was an ideal Christian on Saturday or whether I've ever had a struggle with sin. I need to realize that my struggles are one thing, but my identity comes from Jesus. I am in Christ. I am a new creation. You are a loved child of the Most High God. That's who you are. And right living is gonna come from right believing. When I see myself the way God sees me. See friends, when you read your New Testament epistles, this is what you're gonna find. You're gonna find a little bit of application, but you're gonna find a lot of theology. When you start reading the New Testament, I encourage you, just even do this when you get home, start to have a look at it because what you're gonna find is that every New Testament epistle is going to lead with this is who you are in Jesus and it's gonna close with a little bit of this is how you should therefore live your life because your identity comes first and your living is in line with it. Your understanding of who you are must be established and then you will behave consistent with what you believe. When you read the book of Romans, Romans has 16 chapters in it, 16, okay? 16 chapters, and it begins, in fact, let me just flick to it. Oh my gosh, I love the book of Romans. But Romans begins by the sin that is in the world. Then it's like the power of sin is broken. We are no longer bound by the law. God's law frees us from our sin. We might still be struggling, but we can find life in God's spirit. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is a future glory coming for every believer. Nothing can separate us from God's love. God has chosen you and accepted you. I'm just cherry picking passages oh my lord then it's like salvation is for everyone everyone who calls on the name of the lord shall be saved god's mercy is for everyone and we're all the way through to chapter 12 before the bible begins to say in romans chapter 12 verse 1 in view of god's mercy offer your bodies as living sacrifices we've had 11 chapters before we're asked to do anything Two-thirds of the book is who you are. One-third of the book is what you should do. If we focus two-thirds of our devotional life on not changing who we are, but realizing who we are, then maybe it would be a lot easier to move forward in our lives. You are not a loser. You are not a sinner. You are not a failure. You are not unclean. You are a winner. You are loved. You're not rejected. You're accepted. You're the righteousness of God because of Jesus. And when anybody starts realizing who they were made to be, it just gets a whole lot easier to change who they are. I think we need about three seconds to give God some praise, don't you? I mean, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. See, friends, I mean, Hebrews, Hebrews has got 11 chapters before we get anything about, before we're told what we should do. It's just amazing. In fact, this morning, I just thought it might be fun. We don't normally do this, but we're going to take a little walk through the book of Ephesians together. Would you like that? We're going to read out like a chunk of scripture, so if, if you ain't down for this, it ain't going to work, so let's, let's give it a try. I know, I know Hamilton are up for it because you guys are biblical. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, I mean, check it out. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, not because we read our Bibles this morning, but because we are united with Christ. 
Even before he made the world, God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be what? Holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and he forgave all our sins. Our freedom is in Jesus from every struggle and our forgiveness is in him too. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Come down to verse 13, Ephesians 1, it's just amazing. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. Now, I want you to hear this. The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised and that He purchased us to be His own people. Okay. Now, the word guarantee elsewhere is translated deposit. So when you bought, buy a home, you have to give at least probably like 10, but normally 20% of what the home costs. You have to have that in your bank account to, to get any more mortgage to buy it. And if you default on your mortgage, the bank will keep that deposit. So the Bible says God gave you His Holy Spirit as a non-refundable deposit, as a guarantee. So when you received Jesus, did you come spiritually alive? When you sinned, did God take away His Holy Spirit? So it's not my behavior. Does your morality count? Absolutely, but I'm not here to talk about that. I'm talking about who you are. Because if you know who you are, it's gonna impact what you do. So I am who I am because I have received Jesus and it is not about how good I am that God has accepted me. He gave me His Son. He loved me. He called me. He chose me. And He did the single, same thing for every single one of us. We're still in chapter one. Let's, let's go over. Let's, let's keep going. I mean, read the whole thing when you get home. It's just awesome. But let's go to chapter two, verse four. But God is so rich in mercy and He loved us so much that even when we were dead in sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by grace you've been saved. For He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. It's just, I mean, doesn't that blow your mind? God saved you by His grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. I mean, man, I, I could just keep going, I could just keep going, but I, I, I'm gonna come all the way down to chapter four. So I, I mean, I've got verses in chapter three, but skip over the media team, I, I gotta keep going. In chapter four, finally, four chapters in, he says, lead a life worthy of your calling. So he's not saying change your behavior so that God will love you. He spends three chapters saying, this is who you are. Now go out there and live in line with it. This is who you are. Now go out there and conform to it. Now come over to chapter four, just because now we're like, well, how do I lead a life worthy of my calling? Well, fortunately, he's gonna tell you. Verse 17, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as Gentiles do. When you see Gentiles, read people who don't know Jesus, okay? For they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness and they wander far from the life God gives 
because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and they eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, throw off your old, I want you to hear this, your old sinful nature and the former way of life, your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes and put on your new nature, created. Isn't that amazing? Created to be like who? Created to be like who? Now, I want you to read the next four verses out loud with me. Truly righteous and holy. Put on your new nature, created to be like God. Help me. Truly righteous and holy. How do I break the bungee? The Bible says that I should throw off my old sinful nature and my former way of life. I have to stop seeing myself the way I did before I found Jesus. That's my old nature, my old person. And I have to no longer live in line with that identity. Instead, I need to put on my new nature, which is created, it seems blasphemous even to say it out loud, my new nature that is created to be like God. Truly righteous and holy. God is wanting to blow your mind with an understanding of who you are. When Jesus is in your life, you're not a filthy sinner anymore. You are now created to be like God. You're made to be holy. You're made to be righteous. If anyone is in Christ, they have become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. So if I wanna change my life, I'm gonna change my life when I start seeing myself the way that God sees me. When I start living my life in line with what He says is true about me. I'm here to tell you that I was in a hotel room in San Diego, California, and at three o'clock in the morning when I read that anyone or anything touches the halter will become holy, I started pacing up and down a hotel room in the middle of the night just shouting, not that loudly, but pretty rudely. I was shouting, I'm holy, I'm holy, I'm holy. It felt like It felt like I couldn't even believe it as I was saying it, but you need to understand that Jesus didn't come into your life to leave you broken, to leave you desperate, to leave you flawed, to leave you addicted, to leave you with a bungee cord. Jesus jumped into your life to free your heart, free your soul, free your mind. You're a new creation in Jesus. You can overcome every problem. You can conquer every sin. You can be free from every struggle and all the praise goes to Jesus. It's not about good Christians. It's about a good, good God. It's not about better people. It's about a perfect love. And if you believe that, could you give your God some praise in every campus this morning? Come on. Oh, Jesus. Jesus is the one. Come on, every location, stand your feet together with me. See, friends, friends, there were two trees in that garden the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and there was a tree of life. That's why when you read the New Testament, two thirds of what you're gonna read or more is just saying, 
this is who you are. This is what Jesus has done. This is the glory of God's role. This is the tree of life just going bam, 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 bam. Because you're out there hearing about what you don't do, what you're not good at, how much you're flawed, what's wrong with you. I'm here to tell you that there is a lot of right with you. You've got Jesus in you. The hope of glory is in you. You have the Spirit of Christ in you. You can overcome the world. You can defeat every challenge. You can rise above every foe. You're victorious in Jesus. If you believe it, I need you to lift your voice and give God some praise. Come on. This is who we are. Okay, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. But here's my, here's my heart. Here's my heart. In fact, on social media this week across Arise Church, we're going to post some story things on our Instagram that you can screenshot and grab. But we want, I'm going to give you about 50 verses from the New Testament telling you who you are in Jesus. And I want you to change your devotional life. I want you to try this. Spend the next month, rather than telling God every day about how much you'd like to be better than you were last month, spend every day of the next month telling, agreeing with what the Bible says and thanking Jesus for who He says you are. All you're gonna do is agree with it. You're gonna spend two thirds of your time going, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm loved and accepted. Nothing can separate me from God's love. I was dead in my sins, but I mean I'm made alive with Christ. Oh, if you're gonna just begin to confess over your own life, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And my friend, as this begins to impact our lives, I promise you, you can break free from every challenge. Come on, if you've liked this message, let's close, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person, every campus, every location, everyone online, that in the name of Jesus, you would set us free because we are in Jesus. Let the love and the righteousness of our God well up on the inside of every single one of us. You've set us free indeed. In Jesus' mighty name. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor John Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at Arise Church and at John Cameron NZ.